Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. In this episode, we're talking about growing generational wealth. In other words, leaving money to your heirs. According to the Census Bureau, baby boomers are nearly nine times wealthier than their kids, the millennials. Which means, as baby boomers like me start dying, there's going to be one of the biggest wealth transfers in history. You want to create the kind of wealth you can pass down to the next generation, and maybe the one after that? Then you're in the right place. Because today we're all about legacy building. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Markwood. Hello, Miranda. Hey, Stacy. I'm excited about this because I've already told my son I'm spending it all till it's gone, and he's on his own. So let's do this. That, that's my plan, also. Listening in and sometimes contributing is producer and novice investor Aaron Freeman. Hello, Aaron. Hey, it's great to be back. And this week, we're also welcoming friend of the show, Kevin Matthews, a former investment advisor and author of Starting Point, How to Create Wealth That Lasts. Hello, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Before we start, folks, remember this. This is not financial advice, so make sure to do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything you may hear on this podcast. Okay, let's dive in. Kevin, what got you interested in the topic of... Wait, first of all, what is generational wealth? What are we talking about here? What is generational wealth to to me? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say it, it's it's passing on money and it's passing on knowledge. I think that's the general definition. But more importantly, it's giving my kids and my grandkids one day more choices and more options. Because for me, that's that's what money buys, right? It, it buys it buys choices. Do I take a Greyhound bus or do I fly first class? The difference between that is how much money I have. So just making sure that I am making the right moves financially and making the right decisions so that my kids and my kids' kids can have more options. Now, I'm going to tell you something right at the top of this podcast that, that I, I wanted to get your feedback on. I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. I have a wife that's younger than me, but I don't have kids. So what do I care? Do I care? Should I care? Well, that, that depends. It's a great question, but it depends. If some people want to look at it more as, as legacy, and sometimes they, they'll set up a scholarship fund. Or they donate to a specific charity to make sure that people left behind or that next generation is going to have better choices, better resources, and perhaps opportunities that you didn't have. That makes sense. So, so what I'm hearing you say then is even though I don't have kids, I could still want to leave a legacy for like the Humane Society, which is one of my favorite charities. Something like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the main thing is, you know, it's, it's your own definition, right? So that was mine and then yours may be the Humane Society. But the main thing is, leaving something behind so that the people who are coming behind you are going to have a better experience for the most part. Well, just to be clear, I want to go back and and, re- and reiterate what what um, was just said at the beginning of this podcast, which is I plan on spending it all if I can. So I'm wrong with that, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning on having no legacy. You know, I, I said that to my parents. They're both past now. But I said to them back in the day, um, you know, you should spend all your money because you know what happens? You, you spend your life saving and saving and scrimping and scrimping. And, and my parents both were children of the Depression. And so they died with considerable money. And I was like, enjoy yourself. Buy buy a Mercedes. Do something, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and they would do that. As a result, I got a legacy, uh, which which I appreciated, of course. But uh, so it's my, my point was it's easy to say I'm going to spend it all. But most of us are not going to do that. I mean, most of us who at least were able to put something aside. Uh-huh. Definitely. And now with all the heat waves and water shortages, the world's coming to an end. So, is there any? Should we do do a legacy anymore, or just what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to be dead by the end of the day. That reminds me of a of a uh, Henny Youngman expression. I've got all the money I'll ever need as long as I'm dead by four o'clock. 
<laughs> okay, so now let's get serious, though. I, how, I mean, it, this seems like a weird topic to me, Kevin, and I'll tell you why. Because it's like leaving a legacy means accumulating a bunch of money. I mean, really, isn't that what, what we're discussing here? And and if and if so, well, of course, everybody wants to have a bunch of money. I mean, how how do we how do we aim at leaving a legacy? I guess is what I'm trying to ask you. Yeah, that, that's a great a great point, and it, it's really a combination. So yes, it's about accumulating some assets, some level of assets, and it's also about passing on behavior and knowledge as well. Because my my thing, and I've told my kids they're only you know, two and five. But I was like, hey, if you waste what I give you, I'm going to haunt you for the rest of your life. So the main <laughs> thing is saying, hey, this is what I've started for you. It doesn't have to be millions. It doesn't have to be like 100,000, but starting them off with something and saying, here's what I've done. Here's what I've learned so that you can avoid these mistakes. Perhaps it's written down. Perhaps it's just, you know, taught as they're raised. But it, it's about having the two of those things together. Um, we have this, when we say generational wealth, I think the, the automatic number is like a million or more. And that's not always the case. There are a lot of times where it's just, hey, I started off with zero and now you're starting off with more than that, right? And that's it's always about that building block and it's going to take time. But it's also saying, hey, look, here are the barriers and things that I have navigated through. Here's what you need to know. Like I've, I've seen some cases where there have been family businesses that have passed down year after year. It's not necessarily cash, but the knowledge and the, the wealth of saying, look, we know this market, right? We know this business and you're growing up into it and it's an easy uh, passed down, right? And that's a part of the generational uh, portion of it as well. So it, it looks different depending on who you are and what you're into um, and then what you know and what you have to, to pass down in the first place. Yes. And, and you know, I've read this and I'm sure you have too, Kevin, but uh, one of the, the big disparity of wealth between whites and blacks in this country is the, the lack of generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a really key thing to do too because, I mean, if you start off I mean, look, I, you know, I inherited a couple hundred thousand dollars from my parents. If you start off with that, that can change everything in your whole life. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. And unfortunately, because of systemic racism in our country, the ability of, of, uh, of people of color to be able to do that has been limited. Uh, and I think that's yeah, something yeah, hopefully absolutely. changing. Yeah, and there are a lot of things that, that factor into that, right? It, it's it's about uh, what laws were passed, right? Who was allowed to, to own property in what areas and whether or not that was you know, passed down and where that the next person started from. Um, and it's, it does have a huge impact because like you said, even a thousand dollar head start for 20 years is going to be completely different, right? For someone who started out with nothing. Um, so it, that does have an impact on where you end up or where you can end up. But in either case, the, the main thing is to start if that is an aspiration of yours, because it is going to start, it has to start somewhere, right? That first, that first brick, that first step has to start with someone um, and if you started from behind or had some challenges, start it today so that the next generation isn't going to run into the exact same thing. Cool. So help us do that. Lay the, lay the foundation. What's the first brick? What should we do? Yeah. So the first thing is to sit down and define what that generational wealth is going to be. Because again, that, that definition can be very liquid depending on what it is you're looking for and what your family structure could be as well. So that's the first thing. The next thing is to obviously like save more than you spend and that, those whole, that whole thing, which we've talked about before. But the main thing is setting up your success, having those beneficiaries named and having a plan for where these assets are going to go and what you want them to be at the end. And I think that's that's the structural things that you have to have. 
Now, I'm a little confused. Give, give me, what, brick one was making a plan, right? Or mm -hmm. defining what a legacy is. Is that what it was? I don't want to put words in your right. mouth. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, give me an example of that. Yeah, so for me, for, for my two kids, I want to make sure that should they go to college, they don't have any student debt. So that's number one. And then number two, I want to make sure that they have at least $50,000 to buy their first home. So that's, that is my plan. Okay, so I'm cool. using that and working backwards. How much do I need to save per month? Uh, this means I now need to open a 529 plan for them uh, because should they go to college, I want to make sure that they have that. So that is because I set out what that plan is, I now can work backwards and adjust my budget for what I need to do today. You know, th this makes total sense. But I'm wondering if somebody listening to this podcast wouldn't be thinking, well, geez, you're already making me save for retirement. I've got to save for this, that, the other. I mean, do I really have to start saving for legacy too? I mean, how many things am I supposed to be saving for here? Yeah, so you don't have to. And, and that's and that's the thing. So because my vision is to to have those two things for my kids, I would assume, right, if I'm just kind of going off of, of when I bought my house and all that kind of stuff, they would need the money, I don't know, somewhere around age 30, right? Mm -hmm. So I need to start saving today. However, what if my goal is to, once I pass, leave them X amount? Well, in that case, I can just primarily save for, for me, right? And perhaps get a life insurance policy or just have them as a beneficiary and they get whatever's left over. So that's why it's so important to figure out what that plan is, because that's going to inform whether or not you need to change your budget now or whether or not you can prioritize yourself and have them have whatever is left over. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because I was just going to say one way you could leave a legacy is a life insurance policy. Absolutely. I, I, I'm not a fan of life insurance, by the way. I've never <laughs> had any. And now I'm self-insured because I'm old and rich. Um, but is that, is that something you would advise people to do? Because if so, we have to start talking about what kind of insurance people should get. Yeah. So it, that's why it, it's very dependent upon where you are and what your goal is. So if you are someone that says, at the end of this entire thing, at the end of my life, I want to make sure I spend everything. I want to make sure I enjoy it, which is amazing. Then yes, you may want to have a life insurance policy at the end. That way you can guarantee that the next generation is going to get exactly X amount of dollars. So that's one way to do it. If you are not someone who is a big fan of life insurance, you can continue saving for retirement and building up your own assets and then leaving what's left over, assuming there's anything left over that way. So there are different ways but it depends on, do you want to guarantee a specific amount? Life insurance is going to be the answer there. Or do you want to say, hey, y'all just get whatever property I have left over, in which case life insurance is not required. Well, in your book, which I will say again, Starting Point, How to Create Wealth at Last, uh, are you just, are you talking about stuff like this? I mean, do you say, my, my, my point, my question, Kevin, is do you say what kind of life insurance? Because obviously term life insurance gets really expensive as you get older. Mm -hmm. And cash value life insurance is really expensive all the time. Yep. Um, so do, do you make a do, do you tell people what they should do in your book about that? We touch on the importance of just having life insurance um, as a whole. But in most cases, what, what I found in my research, what we talk about in the book as well, is term insurance tends, tends to be the best option. As you get older, if you follow the other steps in the book, if you save for retirement, then you usually have enough in assets to pass down at that okay. point. That makes mm -hmm. total sense. Yeah, and that, and that makes sense in general, right? Mm -hmm. you, you you don't need life insurance because the purpose of life insurance is to take care of your children or take care of your whoever depends on you for income if you should die prematurely, uh, and hopefully once you reach my age, you've got enough set aside so that that's no longer a concern and you can drop term as it gets too expensive. You agree exactly. With that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think are we are we we're about halfway through the show. We'll go ahead here and take a break, but when we come back, 
I want to um, I want to talk to you about specific things we could do. You know, more bricks to put in that foundation. But, right. but we're going to be right back right after this, folks. Okay, we are back. Before we start, though, if you appreciate what we do, do something for us. Share the show with your friends uh, on your favorite on your favorite social platforms, or and subscribe to the podcast. It takes you two seconds. Really helps us, and we'd really appreciate it if you do that. Okay, Kevin, you're back on the, you're back on the on the spotlight here. We you we designed what we were going to do. We thought of a couple ways of funding it. Um, mm-hmm. What what next? What else do we need to do? Yeah, once we've set out that plan, once we've adjusted our budget and our, our spending plan, the next thing is to to actually execute. Which means that there's a lot of people who set up a plan and say, "Hey, this is what I want to do," and don't actually do it. So you actually want to execute, and then it comes that that fourth thing, and this is perhaps the most important. You want to make sure that you are explicitly. Either whether it's it's kids or it's you know, written down via will or something of that nature, you want to make sure that the habits and behaviors are set forth, right? So that means that if you know that you want to pass down assets to a university, make sure that they are listed as as a beneficiary, right? Make sure that that's listed in your will. If you want to make sure that your kids, uh, you know, want to take your thirty thousand dollars or whatever it is, you want to make sure that you sit down and have those conversations in advance. I had a conversation with my father uh, about a month ago about what he wanted to do, what he had and where he wanted it to go. And we made sure that it was recorded, that it was written down, and that we were going to carry out that legacy and ensure that we knew what was there, knows what he wants to do, and then for us to go ahead and carry that out. So you definitely want to make sure that you have those plans stated, that you have those things written down, and that you have an updated beneficiary plan for any accounts or any properties that you do have. You're a young man, aren't you, Kevin? How old are you? Yeah, it depends on how my knees feel, <laughs> but I am 33. Yeah, 33, that's really, I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, I, I understand you. you're writing books to make money also, but I'm impressed that this would be a subject that you would you would wrap your, your mind around so early in life. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I think a lot of it is just, just a part of my background. So I'm born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was uh, the home of Black Wall Street, and that was one of the most famous places uh, for black American wealth. And we talk a lot about generational wealth just coming from that background. And a question for me growing up was like, how do you build this thing? Right. Or how do you rebuild this thing? And I was always I've always been curious about that. I think that that portion of my background is has informed a lot of my professional journey. No, that's cool. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad other people can learn from you from what you're doing. Um, OK, now here's something that it, I, it, let me tell you something I said to my wife. My wife is 23 years younger than me. Okay, so I said to her, if you're not interested in the stock market, which is where a lot of my money is, I'm just going to leave it all to the Humane Society. Because if you're not, if you're not going to take an interest in, in what I'm doing, and I, I'm, I feel free to say this because my wife doesn't listen to these podcasts, but so, <laughs> if, nice. if you're, I mean, if you're not going to pay attention, why should, if I'm going to leave you a million dollars and you're going to blow it, or worse yet, blow it on a new boyfriend, then why should <laughs> I leave it to you? Uh, what what about this? Where I'm going here, Kevin, is do we need to teach our uh, the recipients of our largesse? Do we need to do we need to teach them to respect that wealth that we're leaving them? I would say yes. I, I I think they don't have to be experts in that particular field, but I do think they should have a working knowledge, and that is for for two reasons. Number one, I I usually prefer that whether it's on the client side or especially in, in my own case that they understand like, hey, this is what I'm receiving, which is why I had those conversations with my father and while I'll have them with my kids at some point, because they'll they'll have control over it and say, hey, look, this is what we need to do. Or, you know, the person trying to sell me something doesn't have my best interest in mind because there are 
professions that kind of sit around and wait for these these transfers to happen, kind of step in, right, and, and things not go well. Um, the other part, too, as I, I mentioned earlier, is that that knowledge piece is a big part of it, right? I want to make sure that not only those those assets last long enough, but that my wife and my kids and everyone says, hey, hey look, I know what this is. I mean, I've been an expert in it, but I do know what my next step is, right? And I think that's extremely important. What we noticed that, um, I think it was, might have been Morgan Stanley came out with a study that says that it's like 70 or 80% of generational wealth is lost in that very next generation. And a part of that is by not understanding what those assets were, not understanding what the plan was supposed to be, and not knowing what to do next. It's interesting. You know, how about this? You ever meet somebody who inherited and they were just a useless person <laughs> because they don't <laughs> uh, do anything with yeah. their life? It, it, it's happened. <laughs> this, this would be a this would be a concern of mine. Not you know, I'm not in that category where I'm going to leave three hundred million dollars to somebody. But what what about that? I mean, would you be concerned that that one of that one of your heirs might squander? the money you so carefully set aside for them? Yeah. So that's that's why I said I'd, I'd haunt my kids as a ghost. <laughs> that's that's my, my first plan. Um, but no, that that is a, a slight concern. Um, I say slight because my kids are very young and they don't know what a credit card is, right? Um, however, my for me, right, my prevention tactic is to make sure that they understand how to use money at a young age and I can mold that decision you know, going through. It's also, in my case, why I made sure that I can kind of do what my generational wealth goals are on the front end, meaning like, hey, college is done. Hey, you have your first house. Once you kind of got that, you know, you're, you're kind of on your own, you know, from from there. So it depends on what angle you're looking at and then what can you do ahead of time to prevent that. The last option, too, is if you sit down with an estate attorney, you can drop a trust that has very specific instructions on how the money can be spent and that is one way that that we say in the, the financial biz, how to control the purse strings from the grave. So that's another way. Uh, but it's a little more costly. and You're going to need a lot more expertise to pull that one off. Is there a limit to how much you should tell them so that, uh, you know, they're not poisoning your coffee? <laughs> that's a good think, question. Yeah, that is a good question. I think it depends on on who that person is and what their behaviors are. Um, again, I'm as a parent, you know, I, I can only say, but so much they're going to change so much between now and the next 30 or 40 years. Um, but I, I think it really depends on on who you're leaving it for, um, what their personalities are, and what their tendencies have been. I was just going to say, when my father was getting older, after my mother died, um, my father's he said, I'm going to set up a trust. I, he, we, he has one granddaughter. There's me and my sister, and then her child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, I'm going to set up a trust, because she wasn't that responsible at the time, uh, and not that old either, for that matter, but old enough to spend money. You know, she was mm-hmm. like 18, 19, whatever. Um, and he said, I'm going to set up a trust and make you and your sister trustees. And I'm like, oh, God, please don't do that. Because what happens is she's going to come to us and ask us for money, and we're controlling the purse strings. Mm. You know, and, and that's you know that's not good. And, and of course, he totally ignored me and did it anyway. Mm. Um, what we, and it wasn't a huge amount of money, but what we did was bought her a house. She, she wanted to buy a house, and we like said, sure, that's a great solution. Because what she was doing was pissing it away a little bit mm. of time every month, you know. Uh, and so buying her house was great idea. We bought it at the right time, or she'd bought it, I should say, at the right time. And uh, so that worked out. But this is something I would be really concerned about, too, is having a trust where another relative is in charge of that trust. And then now you've created a huge source of friction, potentially, at least depending on who that trustee is and, and who the beneficiary is. Yeah, and that, and that's it, it, get, it can get complicated. There are other ways. Um, again, a, a, an estate attorney is 
knows all the details um, about the specificities behind it. But there are some ways where you can say, depending on how much you have, right, only 5% can be spent each year, right? And you can kind of set up that way if you want to be, have a little less conflict, if you will. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I think this is why that conversation piece is extremely important on the front end, that everyone knows what the expectations are. You can work through um, what type of, of issues could come up. Like, for example, in our situation, uh, my dad loves real estate. He owns a property in which I have a, a relative that stays in. I said, hey, what's going to happen to, you know, I'm making up a name here. What's going to happen to Cousin John if you pass and he's just in the house? What do we do about that? Right. Like he's not paying rent, which that was their agreement. But like, what am I supposed to sell it? Do I let him stay there? Does he keep it forever? Like that was a conversation that we had now. Right. So that's that's one of those things where you can kind of sit down and say, here's what I'm thinking about. Maybe they'll agree. Maybe they'll disagree. But like, what are all the scenarios that we should go through so that we know what to do? We're not confused and we can reduce the the process of having any friction that you can foresee. I, I have to ask, what does your dad say? Did he say not my problem? You deal with cousin no. John. <laughs> I think the his words were like, "Hey, you you know, give him two years, and then y'all decide what to do after that." No, that makes um, good sense. So yeah, and you know, everyone's still here, so hopefully it's not a decision we have to like think about in the next several decades. Um, but it was it was good to have that conversation up front, so that in the event that that occurs, no one's fighting, no one's arguing. We know exactly what he wanted, and we can just carry out that plan. Miranda, I'm not hearing anything from you, which is a shock. I, I just want to make sure you're still alive over there. No, no. I mean, you know, you're doing a great job over here, so it's all good. No, I, I mean, I think the the closest thing I've got is is making sure, you know, I joke, you know, I'm probably going to spend most of it uh, before my son can get it. But part of what, you know, we're doing is this legacy is, you know, I've helped him set up an investment account. So he's already investing some of his own money. Um you know, I've made him beneficiary on like my HSA, all of my retirement accounts, all of that stuff, so that when I do pass, whatever is left goes smoothly to him. Um, and uh, there, there's, so I think part of that is just making sure that like I've got all of my ducks in the row, and he knows how to access everything that he needs to access uh, should I pass unexpectedly. So I think. Um, for me, a lot of that's, you know, twofold where like I'm teaching him and I'm guiding him now to be investing. I had set up a Roth IRA for him um, back when he was like 10 or something and he was helping me out with online business stuff and I made contributions to that. So, you know, kind of starting that early and then showing him, hey, this is what this is what's available uh, to you later on. And then also, you know, I did a 529 and I'm helping pay for his school through the 529. And so all of those kinds of pieces together, making sure that he gets to practice now, that he's he's putting these principles into place will help him um, in turn build his own wealth as well as whatever I managed to leave behind. Let, let me ask you a question, Randa. Your son is 21 now or 20? Um, he's 20. He'll be 21 in the fall. Uh, okay, now let's say that you're you're telling your son what you have, right? Basically, um, mm-hmm. what if what if you had a lot? What if your son stopped showing ambition because he knew that the moment and, and you're an envelope pusher, you could die anytime. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're risking. Yeah, I mean, just so, yeah. Yes. So <laughs> what what would you do if he started showing less ambition because he knew that if something should happen to you, he's got nothing to worry about? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a, a rough thing. Um, 
but I think I'd probably let him know, hey, like these are not the principles we've we've I've taught you. <laughs> and and he knows, like, I think part of that is is he knows that like if I pass unexpected, he's not gonna be taken care of. <laughs> Yeah, well. He knows I. He knows I'm planning. You know, because I said I said, hey, you know, like I plan on living my life, and you know, I'm not making it a huge priority to amass huge amounts of wealth uh, for you. And you know, there's the life insurance policy, but you know, that's not that's not going to be enough for him to live on forever. So, uh, you know, but I think I think if he ever stopped kind of doing that, I'd be like, well, what are you going to do in the meantime, buddy? Because uh, like. Because, you know, I'm, I'm I'm helping him out right now with stuff while he's in school, but that's dependent on like, hey, as long as you're in school, as long as you're moving forward, I'm, I'm helping you pay your rent. You know, I'm paying your tuition. So we're helping you move forward. Uh, if, if you're not interested in moving forward, you know, what does that mean? And so far, you know, it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> I, I honestly yeah, we, don't know okay. what I'd do if he was just like, I, I expect you to, to take care of me forever, mom. Like, I, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't say, okay, but okay, legacy coach, Kevin. Um, you, you're, Help us you're, out, man. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, 30, you're, you're 33 years old. You're obviously a, somebody who's going to generate significant wealth, I would assume, because you're writing books at this age and, and being successful in any number of other ways. It, it's, and your kids are what? Toddlers? Uh, yeah, two and five. Okay, so by the time, by the, I mean, you could be fairly wealthy. Um, by, or, or super wealthy by the time your kids are adults. So how would you answer that question? What if they were just kind of like, well, you know, I'm just kind of just play some video games here, not really do much. What, how would you combat that? Yeah, I mean, the way I would combat it, I would, I would say really two ways is, one, I can change this plan at any point. Like, you know, I can decide that, you know, I can give it to someone else. I can do spend it all or, or what have you. Um, if, if I want to go that route, um, I think the main thing, what I would do is say, look, you know, I intend for this to be, to last beyond you, right? I want it to go to your kids and, and last as, as long as possible and try and course correct those behaviors as much as I can right there in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what I've learned is sometimes I, I learn from, from hands-on experience and I could say, look, or what I would probably do is say, look, here's, you know, thousand dollars here's ten thousand dollars I want to see you save I want to see you start to invest and if you can't do this then you can't I can have you steward you know 10 times more 30 times more whatever that number is going to be mm-hmm. and then we're gonna to have to have some some difficult conversations um so that's that's probably how I would approach it um I think the main thing is is giving people an opportunity and seeing how they handle that and then using that information using that data to make a the next informed decision awesome uh, you know, I, I feel like I've taken you all over the place except for where you wanted to go in this in this podcast. We, we're almost out of time. Is there anything else that you've been trying to say, but I've been talking too much to let you say it? <laughs> well, I will say Miranda gave me an idea. Um, when we talk about generational wealth, it is something that is extremely fluid and you can do so many things. One thing I've seen in, in my experience that most people don't think about is, I know it can be tough because I'm a parent as well, but letting your kids stay home whether they go to college or giving them two or three years after high school to save that's another way where you're not necessarily directly giving money but allowing them to save for that first home can set them far and away apart from those who went straight out took on student loan debt and then went to that first apartment and they have less cash to to save and take that next step Mm -hmm. i've seen people who took that three years and bought their first home 
and now they're you know on their way towards their first million because they're saving and investing without that that burden versus those who started from from college and then went straight into the workforce and didn't have the opportunity to save. So it doesn't always have to cost money. Sometimes it's just giving them space, right, to save and invest and do things that most people wouldn't be able to do. And another way to do that, too, is once your kid turns 16, they have their first job, starting an IRA at 16 is very different than starting your first one at 25. Mm -hmm. And that can be the difference between generational wealth for that next uh, person in line versus me having to give them the cash up front. So those, those are some alternate ways as well. That's really that's really well said. I like that a lot. You know, my, what my parents said to me, they said, we'll pay for your college providing you go at least 1,500 miles away from here. Get the hell out of town. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anything else to add, Miranda, Kevin, Aaron? Uh, I was just going to say, uh, you know, if you don't really have a lot of funds, one of the most frugal ways that you can leave a legacy is just buy a Sharpie. And write, I was here on bathroom stalls or write it on a dollar bill and thumbtack it to your favorite bar. Uh, this, is, this is where you can start. And, and this is why you don't have a big speaking part in this podcast. <laughs> Not that anyone can get a word in edgewise with me on, there, on the mic. Uh, but we are, are, we're out of time, right? Yep, we are. We are out of time, folks. We are never out of topic, though. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire, or in this case, die rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And of course, you want to visit Kevin at his website. That is buildingbread.com. And you want to get his book too, which say, what's your name? Your book again? Kevin, give us some more plug. Starting point, how to create wealth that lasts. I said this at the break, but I'll say it again. If you like what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast. We would really appreciate it. Uh, Kevin, thanks thanks for being here again. We're going to see you again soon, I hope. I am Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. I'm Aaron Freeman. Aaron's writing on the wall right now, I think. Thanks for hanging <laughs> out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here the next time. <laughs>